At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. The last three years have been tough on Canadian entrepreneurs. That's why we are so excited to announce the 2023 Startup Canada Tour, a five-stop national opportunity to connect entrepreneurs across Canada. Join us for keynotes, panels, and practical workshops, an exhibitor zone featuring Canada's support organizations, speed mentoring in our Ask the Expert lounge, and an opportunity to compete in on-site pop-up pitches. We will be in Whitehorse on April 25th, Halifax on May 2nd, Vancouver on May 11th, Calgary on September 28th, and stay tuned for details on our final stop in Ontario. Want a free pass? Use code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get tickets now for the closest stop near you at startupcanadatour.ca. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear new stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Known for his signature fedora, Jared Goldsmith is a Canadian community builder, avid networker, former archaeologist, YouTuber, podcaster, and professional musician. He founded Sax Appeal Ottawa. Using an interpret interactive and novel virtual event platform, his other business is ESAX. That stands for the Entrepreneur Social Advantage Experience, a virtual events company that hosts exciting experiences for others. He's the embodiment of the small business spirit. And he has more than 700 videos on the ESAC's YouTube channel covering entrepreneurship, networking, and virtual event resources. Jared Goldsmith is a true entrepreneur and community builder. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. You had me on your podcast a, 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 a few months ago, so it's great to have you back. And this time I get to I get to grill you, so that's the best part. It's great to be on the other side of the camera. So yeah, thank you. So tell me about your fedora. I can see it because uh, you have your camera on, but the uh, but but the listeners can't see it. Tell us about the fedora. Tell us what kind of hat it is and why you wear it. Absolutely. Well, I've been playing music most of my life, and. I decided back in 2011 to finally go full-time in music. And what I did, what Sax Appeal is, Rick, it's, it's an all-saxophone band. It's a very unique type of ensemble 
Have you ever heard of one before? Only when I talked to you before. You're yeah. still the only one. <laughs> yeah, so it's very unique. And I thought to myself, I'm really going to make this as viable as I could. So I started going out into the community to create a market. And after about a year, I was getting some traction around town. And I thought to myself, boy, I have to do even more branding and networking and, and communication to, to get gigs for the band or I'm going to starve. And actually, funny story, my aunt came to town around that time. She said, hey, Jared, you play a lot of jazz. Yep, Auntie Helene, I do. Have you ever thought about wearing a fedora? I thought, nope. I ran to Walmart, got a cheap fedora. And I'll tell you, it's, it's one of the best parts of the branding that I've ever done. I've shaped both my businesses around this fedora. Uh, you walk into a room, you have to stand out. And boy, it doesn't hurt when you wear a hat. Is there some famous musician who wore fedoras that uh, that, that, that inspired this this concept? Uh, no, no. But if you look at a lot of the old uh, jazz pictures, a lot of them do wear fedoras. I get that a lot. As soon as somebody sees me, they say, oh, do you play music? Actually, I do. It opens up into the conversation. But it's also turned into the whole ESACS business as that brand with the fedora. And how many fedoras do you actually own now? Actually, because of the events I used to host in person, I have dozens and dozens sitting in a box that my volunteers used to wear. But I only wear about two or three. I keep one in the car and I keep one by my computer desk. <laughs> so you've got the emergency breakdown stuff, the emergency snacks and the emergency fedora in the car. Yeah, I thought most people did. Yeah. <laughs> Of and actually, it's funny. I have to keep my fedora in a box because it's a black fedora, and I sat on it a few times. So it's in a big cardboard box every, in my car. So I know, put it down when I'm done, and take it out so it never gets squished again. Well, they say every great hat deserves a great hat box. What's the, the <laughs> top piece of advice that you hope fellow entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? A lot, I'm sure you're covering a lot of your other podcasts, talking about inspiration and, and the, the communication and that persistence. And I'm a living example of that. Like I've, when I started, I, all I had was a passion and a dream. And I really wanted to make it a viable business. And it takes a lot of persistence and energy and stability. Like I talk about stability. I'm hoping that people will come away from learning that, look, it's one thing to follow your passion, but how do you turn it into a viable long-term business? Stability. Tell me about the concept of stability. It's not something you, we hear about resilience. We hear about aggression and hustling, and we hear about uh, taking care of the, the details and inspirational leadership. But tell us about stability. What's that mean to you? It's, it's consistency. Like once in a while, you come across somebody in the community who's who's starting up a new business, and a year later they're onto something else. They're onto something else, and I thought to myself, like, boy, I know exactly what I want to do. I I know where I want to be in a few years. I'm still working on it, but I'm getting there. And this hat, this concept of the branding, you know, the shirt and tie, and and the professional and uh, attire, and and the concept of the branding to me means stability because it builds credibility. Stability builds credibility. I like it. Yeah, like online, like the, the the words you use, the graphics, the the way you post. It's it's your message message that comes across. But also when you see people in person, I haven't changed my brand at all, and I don't plan to because I think it's worse. Absolutely. So you've got sort of two or three sides of the business because you're, 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 you're doing some serious education around networking, uh, you're doing all kinds of events, and you've got the, 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 the band, you've got the music business. 
Um, yeah. I can't think of any business more vulnerable to COVID. So how have you survived the past three years? Oh, Rick, that's a great question. Yeah, there's no doubt that event planners, because I used to host trade shows for small businesses in Ottawa, event planners and musicians were some of the hardest hit industries. Decimated, devastated. The day COVID hit, I realized I could cry in my pillow, wait for government handouts and hope to the world get back to normal. But I thought to myself, no way, I'm going to do something about it. And I realized that day, March 2020, that music and in events are dead and I need to do something else. So I came across this amazing virtual event platform that's not Zoom, Teams or WebEx. I became a global expert on it. And that week I pivoted everything to ESAC's virtual events, hosting virtual events on this platform for others, governments, conferences, galas, award ceremonies, because at the time, Rick, everybody in the world was looking for three things. Hand sanitizer, toilet paper, and an alternative to Zoom. At least everyone's still looking for an alternative to Zoom, I'd like to think now. So I honed in on what people needed. I have a great platform, and I realized that was the future. Yeah, I'm starting to book more music around the city of Ottawa now, but I still think it's the future is for virtual events. So tell us a little bit more about the platform. Is it one of those things where everyone gets an avatar and trots around and still struggles to make small talk with each other yeah but it's so much nicer than that like imagine there's a camera pointed down at a networking event you could see small groups of people it's like a 3d floor plan if you can we could customize one and you double click and you go from breakout room to breakout room and then you're only talking to smaller groups of people at once but unlike zoom you could see all of the other people in the breakout room connect with them on linkedin send them a private message and bounce at your discretion it's, it's absolutely a novel platform. Sorry, when you say bounce, that means you can <laughs> sneak away? Oh, yeah, yeah. You just double click and you're talking to someone else in a different breakout room. It's like at a networking event. You know, you, you turn aside and there's another two group, group of two people there. You're talking to them. And then you open up your group and there's a third person who comes and joins you. Right. And, and, and what makes this platform better than others? Let's plug it a little bit. Sure. Well, thank you. It's easy to use. It's very versatile, it's customizable, like anywhere from, you know, we helped with President Joe Biden's virtual inauguration gala on the platform. We hired 20 people to use it. Um, it's just so easy. It's, you don't need to have a background in tech. As long as you have a working camera and microphone, it's, it's really simple. And once people see it, they rarely go back to Zoom because it's so much better. And I love it when a podcast guest just drops a little thing like, well, when we did President Biden's inaugural, you know, this is how it, went, how it worked. Tell me about that. How did you get the, this gig? Very, very neat gig. Because uh, I mentioned quickly that I'm a global expert on this platform. We really are. Because, uh, you know, it, it's like when Zoom launched, if you started using Zoom, you know, there are five or six staff, including the founder, and you've grown with them for years. That's what I am with this platform. Like I know all of the founder, the CEO, you know, all, all of them, people I've grown with them. And I'm getting gigs from them to host this event, like events, not my own, but other people's events. So there's a client, uh, another contact of mine in the UK who got this President Biden gig. Don't ask me how, but he did. So I wasn't hired directly through the US government. And he says, hey, Jared, I have this black tie affair. Uh, how many tech people can you get? Anyways, I ended up hiring 20 people on the platform because it's a small community and we all know who's who. And when uh, people have large events, we, we contract our tech support for that. 
So not only do we host our own events, but I get hired often to host other people's events, like U.S. trade missions or Canadian government clients, multinationals, associations, um, using this platform. Some of our listeners are going to be wondering, but what's the point? Um, Why do I want to meet people? Can you tell me about an effective use of this platform where people have really gotten something out of it? Absolutely. You might not come across too many people, Rick, who say that virtual networking can, in some cases, be better than in person. And I say that because of the experience on the platform. Like, to me, it perfectly mirrors an in-person event because you're in in a real event, you're only talking to smaller groups of people at a time. And the platform's the same way. But let's say you're talking to somebody, you can click on their LinkedIn and it opens up into a new tab. So you could be talking to them and reviewing their LinkedIn profile or their website or YouTube channel at the same time, which can add even more levels of conversation. Oh, I see you went to high school with so-and-so. What year did you graduate? Or, oh, uh, you worked at some organization. Is such and such still there? Because I used to work there. You could have much more of a relationship with people because you have all of this content readily available through virtual. Have Have you seen that people can actually make real relationships out of these sort of random encounters? Absolutely. It's hard enough in real life. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, networking is one of my specialties, right? We could talk about this for at length, Rick. I love it. And we're gonna. (laughs) Oh, good, good. We have a few hours. Excellent. So what's nice about it is it's the smaller groups. Like let's say we're having, Rick, you and I are having a really good conversation. And in a real event, we would go into a corner of a room and just talk the two of us. My platform, the ESAC's virtual event platform, you just double click into a room of two people and it's a private room. So you could just have that one-on-one conversation with somebody. And when it's done, you just move to another table, let's say a table of three or four people. So you have those smaller relationship building uh, activities. And some of the events I host, you know, they are a bit more uh, structured for networking, but a lot of the times we just drop people into the rooms, explain how it works, and they're off to network. A lot of the times people are shy in real life. You know, they don't know what to say. They don't know how to act. There's that concept of the body language. Virtual is a bit different. Yeah, you can have a virtual background, but I like to talk about, some, let's say something's on somebody's shelf or, oh, you want an award. What is that for? You know, and it's more personal because a lot of the times they're working out of their home office. So you get to know somebody a little bit better than just as a as an in-person event. Or they have a cat, you talk about that, or a dog. And, and it just, it adds a another level of engagement. Right. Now you say that you've, you know, pivoted in, entirely to focus on the, uh, on the virtual events. Um, you know, we're still in this uh, tug of war between the people who don't want to leave the house and people who want to be in the office. And probably we're ending up with some kind of a hybrid system. Um, the latest model I heard was Mondays and Fridays at home, Tuesday to Thursday in the office. Um, I don't know, but do you see that there will uh, that there's going to be a continuing demand for effective networking and 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 um, consultation platforms virtually? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's a creature of habit. You know, they they like Zoom, Teams, or WebEx. You know, those are the three big ones. Uh, that people might be reluctant to change. But when somebody sees uh, another platform that's better suited for, let's say, the virtual office space, okay, they, uh, they just need to see it. But I think you're right. There will be a need for it. Like if they talk about the four-day work week or the two days working from home, yeah, 
I mean, I'm, I'm betting my businesses on this. Like to me, it's, this is the only platform I specialize in, Rick. I've turned down gigs to host Zoom because I don't know Zoom as well. And I think it's a terrible platform. Uh, but I think the future is, is still virtual. It's slowed down a lot now that the events are starting to open up again. But, you know, a, a word of mouth, a lot of the clients we have, you know, they're bigger organizations. And we've had four or five gigs from one organization because just such a big group. And they just love it. Anybody who sees it just loves it. And they introduce it to others. So I think the future is still going to be virtual. But rather than events, again, like the virtual office space is still a budding field. And, and help me understand what that means. Just trying to figure out how to, uh, how to navigate the, the hybrid office, the virtual office. Oh yeah, I, I have this conversation a lot. So imagine you're sitting in a private, like you're at you're at your office in in person, and you have a little room, your your, your private office. Somebody comes in, knocks on your door, and opens, and you you have a little meeting with that person. They go off and they they go back to their office. My platform, you can have a virtual room, and then when somebody comes into your room, they just double click. You hear a knock, and then you're having a conversation with those two people. When you're done. You just go back to your office and they said the CEO wants to get all the 40 uh, people together. You go into a, like the audit virtual auditorium and you have the person on stage sharing their PowerPoint and whatnot. And you break off again and say, oh, I need to talk to finance. You double click into the finance person's virtual booth and then you're having a one on one with them. It's it's so convenient. And people talk about how um, how much more effective people can be from working from home. I mean, I guess that's a loaded question. Some people say yes, some people say no. But it depends on, on you know, how much trust that the employer has in you. Or if you're an entrepreneur, we already have that enthusiasm and passion. We don't need somebody cracking a whip over our head because if we're not working, we're not getting any gigs. Right. I, I totally agree with you about the, about the entrepreneurs. And I think they have a, <clears throat> you know, a will to – they can be introverts too, but they will get over it in order to pursue – uh, the dream that's pushing them, which is much stronger than their, than their aversion to leaving the house and talking to people. But in the- absolutely, actually, Rick, that's one of the reasons why I've always worked so hard. Because my munis- musicians, they're contractors. All my tech support, they're contractors. They don't go hustle for gigs. So if I'm not out there hustling every day, social media, you know, getting out there into the community, nobody is. And I just can't be waiting for the phone to ring. Business doesn't run that way. It's funny the, the, the whole word hustle has been uh, has been uh, brought back over the past few years. I was at an accelerator the other day where a couple companies talked. To the, the entrepreneurs introduced themselves and sold their titles, and a couple of them were were the hustler. They're the ones who make things happen. They don't know how to make the web website work. <laughs> they don't know the legals or the financials. But boy, they bring the people in. They they create opportunities, and that's. It all has to be done one person to another, not necessarily in person, but like those meetings that you, you said, so much work gets done in the office in those informal two-person meetings, right? Two people get together, they clarify something or they explore something new, they get an agreement in 30 seconds or two minutes in, 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 in this informal meeting, and both of them go out there inspired and excited about making something happen. Oh, absolutely. Or you talk about the water cooler conversations. I mean, that's why at least my platform is so good at that because you have that smaller 
communicate with, with, with colleagues or friends or, or new or new people. So where can someone go to find out more about your platform? Oh, it's easy. ESAX with an A, <laughs> ESAX.ca. And uh, yeah, you know what? I always encourage listeners to to Google ESAX and check out some of the those hundreds of other videos, podcasts, blogs we have on YouTube. Of course you do. You're the hustler. Let's talk about um, public events, real life events. Are you getting back into those as well? Slow. Like now that uh, I'm be- prior to COVID, I used to go to 15 events a week. That's all I did was going from one event to another event. If I had more than two people, I called it a networking event, Rick. <laughs> and for years, over 10 years, I would go all over the city. I was a, I was on the board for one of the local chambers of commerce. At the time when I started, there were five chambers of commerce in Ottawa. I was, I was an ambassador for all of them. And now I'm being much more specific. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I launched ESACs. There's another story bringing together the chambers of commerce. Now there's only the Ottawa Board of Trade. But I'm being very specific on the events I'm attending because I realized very quickly, my market is not Ottawa. Sure, we've hosted a lot of the, the bigger events for the Ottawa Business Journal, the Ottawa Board of Trade, uh, TEDx Canada, some of the larger organizations here in town, but most of our clients are in the States, all over Canada, Europe. Ottawa is such a small market as everybody talks about it, but I already have that credibility and that brand recognition here. So I'm going, let's say, to the larger events, the paid events. I haven't gone to a free networking event in years because at first I thought, who's going to be hiring you know, a, a four, eight piece jazz band for a cocktail reception of 600 people. Is it the people who go to the free events or people who go to a gala and pay $200? So what kind of events are you talking about? What, what the galas that you would go to? Oh, like a lot of the uh, the entrepreneur, the business oriented ones, the uh, the chambers of commerce, the, um, like I, I always thought- like annual the, meetings or speaker events or? Yeah, some speaker events, like where I thought my primary clientele would be. Like I've always thought from the beginning, it doesn't matter what organization or business you have, you know, do you want to be taken seriously? Well, go to the events where, you know, there's more, if you were to use the word clout, uh, where do you want to be seen and, and be seen and, and connect with others? So what has been the most fertile hunting ground for you? Can you give us a couple of examples? Oh, yeah. Like the Chambers of Commerce has always been a really great uh, activity for me. The uh, Actually, or during COVID, I joined the Kiwanis Club, the Kiwanis Club of Ottawa, a mandate to, to raise money and, and support youth in our community. But I'm finding it's an excellent form of networking. I mean, it's not a networking group, but the people who are part of the club, for the most part, they ran the city in the 70s and 80s. They know everybody. And giving back that philanthropic part of the, of the business model, it, it fulfills that need of mine. And like the relationships you make are just priceless. But where are the deals coming from? Where's the, where's where are you getting the big gigs? Word of mouth, like uh, some past clients or people who like I don't really get too many cold calls. I mean, I have an ad going out with a, with a marketing company, uh, but it, it's it's mostly people who've been on the platform through one event. They speak to the organizer, and and every client we've ever had, obviously, who works with me again because they they love with what we do. So we get some of those larger clients from, let's say, some of the multinational organizations, like the CEO of a big company loves the platform. They He or she passes it on to their programming person who may have a friend in another multinational. And it just spreads that way. It's, it's a really cool place to be. Cool. Will you be getting back into like networking training and stuff? Because I think people need it now more than ever. Yeah, I'm going back to in-person. You know, I only did my events quarterly. And there were big trade shows, and it took me a year to plan each one. 
I would hire my band and we'd have five or, five or 600 people come out. And I, I've, I get asked that a lot, but I don't plan on hosting a large trade show in person again. Yeah, there's obviously a market for it. But now it's like a lot of the times I did this, Rick, was, was mostly community based. Never made a lot of money hosting these big uh, networking events for, for entrepreneurs and small business owners. But it was another way to give back to the community, connect the community. So I thought, you know, if I spent months planning this big event, okay, there could be an issue with weather, fine, sure. But I might make X, no, I don't want no. <laughs> I might make X amount of money, but if I host a virtual event for two hours, I can make 10 times as much. <laughs> and it's just, it's a no-brainer. Very cool. Um, one, one of my concerns is that due to COVID and everyone hanging around at home and, and, and I think a lot of people have um, lost the touch for conversation. Uh, when I go up and talk to someone at a meeting now, you know, first they look startled. They were always wary, but now they're startled too. <laughs> well, that's a really... Because, because, because no one does this anymore. It's, it's a lost art. And, and I say that because networking was always a skill, something I've been promoting for years that, you know, it's a skill. You can get better at it. And our Ask the Fedora videos on YouTube are our great one minute little tips about networking. But now, yeah, the deer in the headlights, you go up to somebody and you can tell they're visibly shaken because one, they haven't networked much in, in, the, in the last since COVID. Two, they might not have ever learned how networking actually works. And now, look through the next generation, people coming out of university, half of their studies were virtual. They might not even have learned some of these soft skills. It's asking questions is always the best way to learn about somebody and develop that relationship to the next level. I mean, I, I, I've been to quite a few events since uh, COVID. And I love talking to people who seem a little uh, introverted or shy uh, or don't know how to network because I get them out of their shell. I ask them questions about how do they get to the event? Why do, why do they come to this one? What are they hoping to get out of it? And then eventually the conversation might come around to their business. I tried to get a, a speaking consulting uh, gig going re relating to networking, but it turned out people didn't think of it as a high value skill. And so there, was, there wasn't anyone willing to put much effort or resources behind it. And I think that's a shame. Right now, I think that the entrepreneur who goes to um, meetings, conferences, even networking meetings, the ones who are willing to make that first uh, reach out, outreach, and 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 start these conversations and ask these questions and show genuine interest, I think that's going to be a huge competitive advantage now because there's so many people moping around waiting for someone. To, to, to talk to, to talk to oh absolutely out of sight out of mind yeah you know that, that the, the expression comes to mind here's a little story rick for you uh when i started going to the wedding shows at least promoting the music side of the business years ago of course i wore the hat and i used to exhibit but then i got more value out of walking to every booth at the wedding shows talking to the vendors the event planners the event, the production people you know because they're the ones who uh refer and I spoke to this one person a few years later and he says to me, Jared, I'll tell you a story. The first year he saw me at a wedding show, he thought, oh, it was this crazy guy with a hat walking around to every booth, talking to everybody. Second year, he said, oh, there's that guy with the hat again. He's sure consistent and he's persistent too. Third year, he thought I was brilliant, 
because everybody in the industry knew me. But it took that long for him to realize the value of what I was doing. Because I realized at the beginning, it's that relationship that builds and keeps business. Just because you have a cool brand or a really great product doesn't mean you're going to be an instant success. You know, I'm sure, Rick, you've talked to other people. The, um, the instant success takes, what, eight or ten years to build. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Stability, as you said earlier. Yeah. Are there three, let's go with three networking tips that you could offer to get people really started and in the right frame of mind for understanding what networking is and knowing how it can help them uh, build their business and, and build their network. And I think that building your network is slightly different from building your business, but I think it's equally valuable. Absolutely. Oh, only three. Okay, so one is, <laughs> it, it might sound counter- They can go to your archive for the Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'll keep them busy for a while. Um, probably the biggest thing now people need to understand, it's, it sounds counterintuitive, you go to a networking event, don't talk business. I mean, at the end of the day, behind our hat, you know, we always want a gig, obviously. But just giving a sales pitch and throwing a business card at somebody and, and not, not knowing what else to talk about, you're wasting your time at a networking event. Like, have you been to an event, Rick, and somebody just throws a business card at you and starts spewing out their, their sales pitch? Oh, all the time. All the they time. They don't even ask if I want to hear it. Because that's what people are bred to believe networking's about. I got to get a gig, you know, I'm on the clock or I'm going to get fired. I have to fill my quota. I, I, I need to stay in business in a year from now. I need to hustle and give a hundred business cards. Oh, it's a great event. I got 20 business cards. But I always say the best, like, again, going back to the first part, it's not about business. Try to develop that rapport, that relationship with people. And I learned this the hard way, Rick. When I first started networking, I did everything wrong. That's one of the reasons I have all these videos. I want to help people learn from some of the mistakes I made. So I used to go to every uh, event and connect with try to ev- connect with everybody in the room. Get as many business cards as I could, give as many as I could. And I thought, after a while, no, that's not the purpose. And then I started spending, let's say, if, in the past, when I would, if I would spend 10 or 15 minutes on one person, I would feel guilty because there's 20 people I, I won't be connecting. But it took me, I call it networking maturity. If you spend more time with somebody and you develop more of a rapport, you know, you learn about their background, you really have, you, you hit it off, as, as you so to say, so, so to speak, and you want to go for a drink with that person, business will likely come down the road because, you know, the, the three, know, like, and trust. It doesn't happen if you just throw a business card at somebody. If anything, it turns people off. So I say build that relationship with people and you never know where it's going to lead. They might connect you to your, your best client you've ever had. I think there's there's something else in there. I'd love to explore this a little deeper with you. Um, there's, there is magic in relationships and being able to connect other people. And I think that the people who are the connectors win in the end. It's a very good point. The um, I realized at the beginning when I started back in 2011, I didn't have much to offer besides a cool music ensemble. But what I did have was the limited amount of, of contacts that, that I've already accumulated. So I became known as a resource. If somebody wanted to find somebody in town or connect with some organization, I would get an email or a phone call. And I would be very happy to connect people. It's hard to pay the bills that way, but it did help with the credibility because of what I did. I, I connect people. So a lot of the times when somebody says, what do you do? 
<laughs> I love that question because I like to play up on it. Sometimes I say, oh, I crash events. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a professional crasher. What? You know, it just opens up the conversation. Or I connect people. I'm like, what do you mean you connect people? Yeah, I, I'm a networker. What do you mean? So I, it just, I get them asking more questions because I ask a lot of questions. That, 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 that's beautiful. I crash a lot of events. So was that was that two tips or three? I lost track there. Oh, well, well it, probably three. But asking questions is another great, great uh, thing to do at a networking event. If you're shy or intimidated, like most people like talking about ourselves. Have you ever met the person who just doesn't stop talking? They talk about their trip and this, that, and the other thing, and like all about their business. They don't stop. Well, networking is not a one-way street. I always encourage people to talk less, ask more questions. And you'll find that by doing so, you can learn, one, a lot more about the other person, two, how you might be able to help them or connect them to somebody else, and three, you can find more things in common if you listen more. Are you good at follow-up? Because with networking, unless you follow up, nothing's going to happen. Absolutely. And I say a lot of it, it's, it's the first interaction you have somebody. The second is the follow-up. And I realized early on, not everybody's going to be hiring a band. But I thought to myself, who knows where people are going to be in a few years from now. And the first thing I do when I get home is I put somebody on my database. And I could talk at length about how I set up my database. And I would send them a customized email. Uh, a lot of it's generic, but I customize it according to the conversation I had with that person. They say they just got back from a trip. I would reference that. Or they talk about their dog or their mom's in the hospital or something. And I add that into my database. So there's that customized part to it. Then I connect with them on LinkedIn and Facebook in some cases. So that follow-up is really, really essential sooner rather than later. Because I've thought, Rick, a lot of the times you go to a networking event, you come out with 10 business cards. Most people go through them at the end of the day and they say, oh, these four people, they're never going to hire me. I'm not even going to follow bother following up with them. You, you check the business card. There's a few that you might follow up, but you check it under your desk. And a week later, oh, you're a little bit embarrassed. Do I follow up after a week? I say follow up with everybody as soon as possible because you never know where people are going to be in a few years. And, and if you write might spark that relationship with somebody. Now you have a band to sell, you have um, a podcast you can invite people on, but other people who don't have these advantages, um, how would you suggest they follow up? What is it that they can say or do or offer to you know rekindle that relationship and make it something that has a chance of lasting? Like I talked quickly about the value of virtual, <laughs> Or if you meet them in person, you could Google them, check them out on LinkedIn, and have something <laughs> specific to talk about. It just following up for the sake of following up, okay, it's nice that people might keep you in mind in the future, but keep in mind what you spoke at that event. And one of my little tips, Rick, is at, at the end of a conversation with somebody in person, let's say, I turn around and I write something on the back of their business card. Because if you're at a conference or a gala and you meet 40 people and you get 20 business cards, how are you going to remember who you spoke to and what was said? I don't have the best memory. So I write things down. And that <laughs> jogs my memory when I'm sending the follow-up later that day or sometimes the next day, usually the same day. And it's something customizable because nobody likes generic copy-paste. Uh, you know, tweak the name, uh, tweak a few things. But it's so wise to reread it 
proofread it before you send it. There's nothing worse than say, hey, John, it was nice seeing you. Thanks for the podcast, John, except for your name's Rick. Ooh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> it's interesting. People are always looking for hacks in life and in business. But then you tell them, hey, it could be as simple as write a few words down on a business card. And that'll be, they won't see the value in that. But I, I hope they do. I, I do much the same. I try and, you know, what we talk about, what, what, who, who does that person know that I could, or who, who would that person like to meet that I might be able to introduce them to? So I try and make notations like this. I'm still terrible at following up. <laughs> well, here's a good example, Rick, because when I go to a networking event in person or even virtual, you know, I, I keep a notepad by my computer desk and I write down a whole bunch of things. Let's say I'm talking to somebody, oh, what are you looking for? How can I help? Oh, I'm looking for so-and-so in this organization. I'd write down whatever. And when I get home, I would just, because I've been doing this for so long, copy-paste the little blurb of this organization or say Startup Canada or whatever with some links. And I customize it to that person's needs. So when they open up their email, it's not just a generic blurb. It's like, oh, yeah, Jared, he, he, did, he said he'd send me three uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, let's say in Calgary. And I do you build that other level of trust because there's nothing worse when you say, hey, Rick, oh yeah, great conversation. I'm going to send you a, uh, an optologist uh, for your glasses. And I forget to do it. That little bit of trust that you first developed with somebody is already lost. Right. And it's so easy to, to keep that trust going if you just make that, what is essentially a minimal effort. Um, and yet so many people don't do that. And then they say, I don't believe in networking. Networking never works. <laughs> well, well, yeah, networking, meeting someone does not result in them calling you three days later and hiring you to tour the world on, on a goodwill tour. Yeah, that's right. It takes that, again, we talked about the stability angle, you know, turn it into a part of your daily routine. You have a process for going to networking events. Don't talk business. Ask good questions, write down something about the person, ask them, you know, what are you looking for? How can I help you? And write it on the business card. So when you get home, you're sending them actual knowledge and details that can help their business. In turn, they're going to keep you in mind for not only having a great product or service, but as that guy with the credit or woman with the credibility and, uh, and the contacts who can help. It might turn into a gig down the road, but it, depending on what you're offering, you know, if you're selling bath bombs or a virtual event platform for $5,000, it's a big difference. <laughs> right. And I just want to emphasize the idea of just being able to, to say, Hey, I know someone you'd like to meet someone you might be interested in doing some business with. I, I don't know if there's a, a connection here, but I'd love to introduce you to doing something like that where you're basically using other people <laughs> transactionally, but in a good faith effort to help someone. That's how no it grows time. exponentially. It, it, yeah, it, it takes no time. It costs nobody anything. And you can have great things develop out of that. And if you're the catalyst behind two people moving and doing something cool together, then you've gone up in both people's esteem. And, you know, stuff will come from that. I, I totally believe in, in, in kismet that if you go out with the good vibes and make things happen, people will, will, will reciprocate for you. You don't know where it's going to happen or where it's going to come from, but it will come back. And this is, this is really dear to my heart, Rick, because I realized at the very beginning, if you connect people and they hit it off, they sign a client, a contract, whatever, because of that relation, the connections you offered to them, they'll never forget you. I think that uh, connecting people 
uh, to other people, to resources that they need. I think that's uh, that, that it's God's work. So uh, uh, congratulations on, on all your success and uh, keep it going and, and, and keep connecting people because it's so important. Jared Goldsmith, do you have any final words of wisdom that, that, that you'd like to share with our listeners, Canadian entrepreneurs all, uh, to help them build their business or get out of their funk a little quicker? Yeah, um, everybody says follow your passion, your enthusiasm. Great, that'll only get you so far. Having a, a strong brand helps, but it takes a lot of gumption. Trademark it. Not a lot of people know about the Canadian Intellectual Properties Office, CIPO. Um, so people say, I've been using my trademark for years. Well, if it's not registered, it's not an actual trademark. I used to work as a trademark examiner, Rick, for CIPO. So I know a lot about trademarks. I own 10 of them. But most people don't have any clue about the intellectual property as a small business owner. How it doesn't matter it what you're... How much does it cost to register a trademark? I have no idea. You do it yourself, it could be 200 bucks, 400 bucks, not a lot. You go with a lawyer, could be maybe three or four times that. Um, but you can do it yourself. You don't have to go with a lawyer, but most people do because it's easy. But as a bootstrapping small business startup, we want to do everything ourselves. You can. So that's the, the first uh, point of uh, closing awareness is you want to stay in business in the future. Do everything you can to build that credibility, protect your, your brand, your knowledge, and get out there and ask people questions. Like if you're starting up a business, Rick, you might not have ever heard of a trademark before. You don't know what it is. Most people have no clue. So going to these events and asking those types of questions. Oh, well, tell me about HST. Why do I have to do it? You might meet an accountant at a networking event who would love to talk to you about that stuff. Great, because that's what you're looking for. And you're not going to meet people by sitting in your computer waiting for the phone to ring. Right. And yeah, I, I guess a key is that entrepreneurship is so hard and, and requires expertise in so many different areas that, uh, you know, where you're going to find it, you're going to find that in a group of people rather than in a book song. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody says business is, is built on people. Yes, absolutely. You need to get out there to tell people what you do and have other people talking about it. And I said quickly, it, it builds exponentially that way. But going out, like last uh, bit of business is, is don't treat it like a sales pitch. There's nothing worse. Like if somebody just goes on in a sales pitch, I'll st sometimes I'll, if I'm a little sassy, I have enough coffee, I'll stop them and say, oh, I'm sorry, what's your name? I'm Jared, nice to meet you. And I throw them for a loop because they were halfway through the sales pitch. I don't want to hear sales pitches. I want to hear more about the person. <laughs> we're two of a kind. I do that too. Because uh, I hope that by doing that little bit of very un-Canadian rudeness, that it will shock them into rethinking their approach. And I know yeah. that's magical thinking. but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all we can do is try. Jared Goldsmith, thank you so much. Continued good luck with with, with what you're doing all around ESACs. Where can people go to find your your all your videos? YouTube or Google ESAX. Like again, check us out. We have, we have so much content, knowledge, and wisdom. And if people are lucky, they could find the podcast we did together, Rick, on there. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Jared. Thanks so much, Rick. It was a pleasure. I, well, I hope, look forward to seeing you in person again real soon. You can count on it. 
Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>